0: get ready hello there everybody and welcome to episode 44 of the play to win podcast my name is tyler and i am your only host this week um unfortunately uh last week we didn't have an episode because karen's uh power went out because of a storm that happened over where he is and unfortunately his power is back now but his internet is very spotty so that's why he's not here this week so we still want to get an episode out especially in light of the big news that happened this past week uh that needs to be talked about so i'm writing solo this week karen should be back next week assuming his internet is all good to go um but this is the play to win podcast if you don't know this is a show we break down the week's biggest gaming news through in-depth discussion um and this week we'll be going over two weeks worth of news most that two weeks will be in the um, brief mentions uh the majority of this episode will be talking about the sony acquisition of bungie that happened this past week it was a very big deal uh remember timestamps will be in the description so if you want to just hear that part of the conversation or if you just want to hear a different part of the conversation by all means bounce around in the timestamps so listen to whatever part of the discussion you would like to also, subscribe to the podcast, whether you're on YouTube or on podcast services, make sure to subscribe, hit the notification bell if you are on um, YouTube, that way you know as soon as videos go live, um, and follow us on, on podcast services, you know, that way it automatically gets sent to your feed and all that stuff, just it all really helps, and it's very much appreciated. With all that said, though, this episode, like I already mentioned, we are going to be talking about Sony's acquisition of Bungie, the developer behind uh destiny right now and the creator of the halo franchise they also made um other games in the past such as marathon and i believe missed as well um uh, so very very big deal We'll be talking about Stadia's uh, apparent reported rebranding that they're going to be doing, Uh, Xbox's exclusive Monster Hunter style game. We'll talk about that real briefly and a few other things as well. But like I said before, we have some brief mentions to get to. And uh, there's a lot of brief mentions here uh, because a lot of this stuff is stuff that happened last week. So got a number of things to go through. So we're gonna get through these as quickly as humanly possible. First up, we got some people getting awards, some notable awards. Uh, Phil Spencer will be receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Dice Awards. And Ed Boon is also going to be inducted into the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, I believe, at the AIAS Hall of Fame at the Dice Awards as well. So congratulations to those two men. They have done some amazing, amazing things in their time in the games industry. So congratulations to them for sure. Um, Troy Baker who was getting a whole lot of heat and flack after he announced an NFT partnership, has announced that he is stepping away from said NFT partnership. So he's no longer involved with it, which is good for him. Good for everyone who was a fan of his and all. Good to know that he's, you know, making right moves over there. Uh, now, some of us may remember Star Wars 1313, that uh, that Star Wars game that was uh, like announced way back in the day and all, looked really cool, and then it was reported to be turned into a Boba Fett game and it got canceled entirely. Uh, leaked footage of this game, of when it was in development of this Boba Fett game popped up on the internet uh some shots some shots of it were uh, like boba fett walking through some do like a seedy area just like walking past some um stores like a market section uh chasing some people over like rooftops and everything it it looked i mean of course it was in development so some of the areas were like gray boxes and all but i mean it it's just a sign of it's just a reminder like man we could have had this game we could have had this game even if it didn't turn out good the potential the idea was pretty cool and really good so it's a shame it's a shame right there what happened with that uh now uh, speaking of other leaked things uh it's next the next-gen version of cyberpunk 2077 has reportedly been spotted on the psn database by the playstation game size twitter account Uh, with new game art as well. The original game art, it has male V on the cover. This new game art, it has female V like from uh, behind the back shot of her. Uh, And this Twitter account believes that uh, the next gen version of Cyberpunk 2077 might be released between late February and early March. So right now we just got to wait on official word from CD Projekt Red, but it seems like it's possible the next gen version, the PS5 and the Xbox series versions of Cyberpunk 2077 could be right around the corner which for fans of the game, that is sure to be really great. And for those who have been waiting to play the game for the first time and hopefully a good, solid, stable state, this might be the, this will be the perfect time for you. So hopefully you'll be doing that pretty soon. Now, GTA 5 and GTA Online for PS5 and Xbox Series X and S, we now have an official final release date for those two. uh, And that is March 15th. So March 15th, those games will be coming to the new gen consoles, with you know 4K HDR, a bunch of you new know, visual features, and so on and so forth, uh, so we gotta we just gotta wait on that. We haven't seen anything more from it. We just know these things. Hopefully, Rockstar puts out uh, gameplay videos showing us what they look like in action and all. But that's cool. Good news right there. Uh, in some not-so-great news, Activision Blizzard will not voluntarily recognize the Raven QA union, so it is now expected that the group will file a petition with the National Labor Relations Board for an election. Uh, of course, Activision Blizzard, they're, just, they're not going to go with it. They're going to put up as much of a fight as possible against this union because they don't want it to happen. So, Raven QA, do what you got to do to make that happen. We stand behind you 100%. Now we got some delays, well, one delay specifically, and then a game that shut down. Uh, according to Bloomberg's sources, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League has reportedly been delayed to 2023. Uh, it, I mean, it's the game has been in development for a hot minute. I, I, you know, take your time, do what you gotta do to make the game. I would have been surprised if both this and Gotham Knights came out in the same year. I mean, two DC Batman-esque related games come out in the same year. That would have just been crazy. Um, it hasn't been officially delayed yet. We haven't heard official word from WB um or uh, Rocksteady, but I mean it's it's very likely. So is what it is. We'll be playing the game next year. We still got again, like I said, Gotham Knights this year, assuming that doesn't get delayed to play. So it's all good. Uh, but Ubisoft's hyperscape has been shut down. And it, it's just a shame. I mean, I I didn't play hyperscape, but it was it was cool from what I heard, and from what I saw, it seemed interesting, but not for me. So It was only a matter of time before that game got shut down anyway, given the very saturated battle royale landscape. Now, we also got to see two showcases this week on PlayStation, the first of which was a Gran Turismo 7 showcase, giving us uh, a nice in-depth look at the game. For Gran Turismo fans, I'm sure this was absolutely amazing. For all of us who are not Gran Turismo fans, this was probably like, all right, cool. It's the thing that happened. Let's keep on moving. I'm not a Gran Turismo person, but I watched it. The game looks beautiful. It's not for me though. I'm not that. I'm not that in depth into cars and all like that. I'm more of a arcade racing type of guy. So it looks great for the fans. But Ghostwire Tokyo, we got a nice in depth gameplay look at this game. And the my my feelings on this game have gone from. You have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. <laughs> I am very much intrigued by this game. It looks cool. It looks like a lot of fun. The uh, the hand movements that they got going on to do spells look really cool. So I got my eye on this one, and I'm probably going to be picking it up on March 25th. We finally have a release date for it. March 25th is when Ghostwire Tokyo will be coming out, which is, crazy enough, the same day as um, Tiny Tina's Wonderland's and Kirby in the Forgotten Land so three huge games coming out March 25th you gotta pick the one you want to play I will probably be pointless well, playing this one that day and if I had to do a second it'll be Kirby but man that's a big day it's a big day for a big game right there now let's see the next up. we only got a few more brief mentions here the Steam Deck has been confirmed to be going on sale on February 25th with the first set of units going out um, being shipped out on the 28th of February. So, Steam Deck you, um, buyers and fans get excited for that. And oh, now we got, we're going to wrap up brief mentions with some numbers, with some very exciting and very um, great numbers here. As of December 31st, 2021, over 17.3 million PS5s have been sold, surpassing the Wii U's lifetime sales numbers of 13.56 million, which is it it's kind of an indictment on the Wii U, just like how much of a failure it was. Uh but I mean, hey, the PS5, 17.3 million PS5s, it's not a it's not the biggest amount. Uh, but again, Sony's had to, you know, they've been dealing with supply shortages and everything. Everyone has been. And you know, they've had to consistently just cut their sales forecast. They had to do it again after this for this coming year because just the supply shortages are they're they're not helping anyone, they're not helping anyone's case. So Hopefully it gets better slowly but surely, but hey, 17.3 million as of December 31st, not too bad right there. Now, on the Nintendo side of things, as of December 31st thousand twenty one, the Switch has sold 103.54 million units, allowing it to surpass the Wii's lifetime unit sales numbers of 101.63 million units. So the Switch is now Nintendo's best-selling home console ever which is absolutely incredible. Of course, the Switch is a hybrid handheld um, home console device, but it is now the best-selling home console Nintendo has ever made, which is absolutely fantastic. Congratulations to them. Next up, I'm pretty sure uh, the only thing the Switch has left to surpass on the Nintendo side of things is the Nintendo DS. And then after that, it'll be the PlayStation 2. So let's see, let's see how they go but congratulations to Nintendo on that. And the last bit of numbers here, Halo Infinite had the best launch in the series with more than 20 million players. Congratulations to 343, congratulations to Microsoft and Xbox. Halo Infinite is a really great game. Multiplayer kind of kind of looking a bit sad right now because of again, you know, we haven't got any new maps. Uh, so it's we 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 would like some new maps over there in multiplayer please. Uh, make it a bit more Bring some more variety and spice and fun to the proceedings and events over there. But hey, 20 million players, good for Halo Infinite. So that's going to wrap up our brief mentions for this episode. And we're going to start talking about our news stories this week. And the first one, it's more so just we're going to give some updates on some new game announcements we got. Got a lot of new game announcements that happened over the past two weeks. Um, this will be fairly quick. We don't have to go too in depth into any one of these, um, really. Uh, but I have them kind of ordered here from in terms of relevance, the least relevant or not relevant, but significance, I should say. So least significant to the biggest one at the bottom. So first up here, it will be the show 22. Uh, it's been announced coming out April 5th and it's coming to PlayStation and Xbox again, just like last year's release did. But it's also coming to the Switch for the first time. So, hey, Nintendo fans will now be able to play it as well. And I wonder how much the sales numbers are going to do for it on the Switch. I mean, the Switch, again, any game that goes on the Switch, the sales numbers for it, it tends to sell pretty well over there on the Switch. So having the Switch in the equation, I'm sure that's good. It's going to really increase the sales numbers for this year's release. Hopefully it performs well on the Switch in terms of like actual technical performance. That's the bigger question. How is it going to perform there? We'll have to wait and see. But April 5th is when the next MLB the show game is coming out. Our second big announcement for games that we got, Yacht Club, the developers behind uh Shovel Knight and all the Shovel Knight spin-offs and add-ons and everything. They announced their new project. It is not a Shovel Knight game, it is called Mina the Hollower. It is a Zelda-esque, it's still, you know, pixel art, but it's 2D Zelda-esque game. Um, that seems to harken back to like the links of the past uh link between world style of um zelda games and it looks neat it looks cool it looks cute i will probably i don't know if i'll play i haven't played shovel knight um but i maybe maybe i'll play this one i gotta learn more about it see more um stuff from it as they work on the game what's significant about this um though is yacht club is going back to kickstarter for this game they're not you know partnering with the publisher they're not just making it on the uh, making it like uh without crowdfunding they're going back to crowdfunding on Kickstarter for Amina the Hollower uh I didn't think they would do that for like their next big project given like the success that they have gotten from Shovel Knight and how big they've become ever since Shovel Knight came out and kind of took the world by storm but it looks like they're going back to their crowdfunding roots on this so I mean Good for them. I'm pretty sure the game is all but funded by now. I'm pretty sure it's more than funded by now. Um, but it, it looks cool. I'm sure fans of Dot Club's games are looking forward to this, especially because again, the style of game that they're going for with it. So all the power to them. I wish them the best of luck and I hope it turns out really well. I'm looking forward to seeing you know the progress on this game as we you know, as the years go on, as the months go on, and as we just learn more about it, really. Now, last week, we had three big um, three big game announcements of sorts. Well, depending on how you want to look at this, could be five. Like, one, two, three, four, five. Could be five, how you, depending on how you look at this. Um, actually, there's five. The more I think about it, I'm being real, real technical over here. Respawn, first off, though. Respawn Entertainment. The development team behind, um, you know, Titanfall, Apex Legends star wars jedi fallen order they are now working on three new star wars games the first of which is a sequel to fallen order we already knew that and according to industry insiders i believe jeff grubb said this um this game could be out this year we might be seeing stuff for it by may and it should be out this fall Or it's planned to be out this fall, I believe is what he said. Uh, So, I mean, everyone expected this to happen. We don't know more about it, but that's not as cool. Great. Um, That's not surprising, though. Respawn is also working on a first-person shooter led by Peter Hirschman, who is the co-creator of the Medal of Honor series. Uh, Now, this is very exciting. What is very interesting about this, though, is that it is not Battlefront 3. DICE is not doing Battlefront 3. Respawn is not doing Battlefront 3 because apparently Battlefront 3 is not happening. So what this first-person shooter in the Star Wars universe is going to be, that's an interesting question. I wonder what it will be. Is it going to be yet another, uh, is it going to be another game where you're playing as a rebel soldier fighting against the Empire? Or is it going to be like the reverse that where you're an Imperial soldier fighting against the rebels? Or is it going to be something different where? you are a bounty hunter and you're trying to get you know you're working for one of the crime syndicates or whatever in the star wars universe so you're trying to hunt someone down or what have you is it going to be one of those type of games like i wonder what it'll be like what the story behind this at first person shooter will be but respawn they are very talented so i'm sure that it will be a really great game i mean everything that respawn has put out since they've started has just been hit after hit after hit after hit. So I have no worries about this first-person shooter from them. First-person shooters are their DNA. It's like what response started from. Even like if you want to go before, it's Titanfall. Respond themselves. They are made up of developers from the original Infinity Ward that created the first Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare Two. Um, and worked on Modern Warfare 3 as well. And then the creators of that, they, that's when we had the big breakup and all like that. Uh, so these guys know their stuff. They know their first-person shooters. So I'm looking forward to seeing this. Looking forward to seeing what it's going to be. I'm not really a Medal of Honor person, um, but I know that people um, do hold Peter Hirschman in high esteem. So in the Medal of Honor series, I also know was pretty good back in the day. It's kind of fallen off in the recent years in terms of relevance and everything. But uh, again, got no no worries. I'm very excited to see what this first-person shooter is going to be from Respawn Star Wars universe. And the next one is they're not directly working on this, but they are publishing a strategy game in the Star Wars universe that is being developed by Bit Reactor. I'm not a strategy game person, so I don't have much to say on this, but it's cool that another stra- a strategy game is coming back for Star Wars because I know there, ha- as far as I know at least, there hasn't been one in quite a while (laughs) in a very long time. So it's cool that we're getting another one. Now, I think it's what's really interesting and exciting about these Star Wars projects of Respawn is that it looks like Respawn is kind of becoming like the de facto Star Wars development team for EA over there. I hope they don't get pigeonholed into just doing Star Wars games, but like we saw, you know, Respawn again has proven to be EA's golden child, their golden goose. You You let them do what they gotta do and they will pump out success for you. And we saw the, that they could be successful, but the Star Wars game was Fallen Order. And Battlefront and Battlefront 2 from DICE, they were good, but you know Battlefront 2 was played with the loot box issue, and that was kind of loomed over it for the longest time. And DICE has been having issues with Battlefield 2042 and the Battlefield franchise as a whole. So it it just seems like, you know what, putting Battlefront on ice is just the best idea Don't let DICE do Battlefront 3. Let them focus on Battlefield or whatever they got to do next. And you know what? If we want to do more Star Wars stuff over at EA, let's let Respawn work on it because they seem to be able to do it i just hope for the love of god that vince sampella is not being overworked too much because this is a lot a lot a lot of stuff he's now overseeing he's overseeing respawn he's overseeing um the battlefield franchise now he's got a lot on his plate so i hope that he's doing well and being paid very well too and i hope that everyone at respawn is just being taken care of as best as possible uh given all this everything they're now working on it's a whole lot now, the next significant announcement that we got uh in terms of game announcements last week was Crisis Four. Crisis is returning with a brand new game. Uh, Crisis Four is just a working title, it's not the final title of the game. We got a teaser of sorts which showed a bunch of destruction and stuff, and like it was it wasn't like actual in-game destruction, it was like a CG trail with like a bunch of random different shots happening. You could see like a quick snippet of like the the nano suit helmet and everything, and then the the Nanotech comes together to form the four. Um, The announcement was basically saying, hey, we're working on it, come work on it, come join our team to help us make this game. Uh, So we really don't know what this game is going to be. Uh, Is it gonna be a return to like Crisis One style crisis? Is it gonna be more of like Crisis Two and Three crisis? Where is it gonna take place? Is it essentially a reboot of the series? Is it continue the story? So many questions, not a single answer. But it is all but certain we're going to w- have to wait a very long time before we see this game. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see anything from this until 2024 at the earliest. Uh, but it, you could probably like just guarantee this game is going to be like a looker for sure. All three Crisis games were beautiful games, and the first one—I mean, you know—it had the reputation. Can it run Crisis? Because there were—it was a—it was a PC. Um, it was a PC pushing game. It pushed everyone's PCs back when it first came out. And like, people were like, can my computer run it? It cannot, can it run it? It cannot, can it run it? It cannot. Like you had to have a super heavy duty, super beefed up PC to run crisis. Uh, So I'm sure that the next one is going to be another industry benchmarking game just like that. I'm sure that at least that's what they're going to try and shoot for. And I'm sure it'll come to consoles as well, whether it be, PS5 and Xbox Series X and S, or if we're on a whole new console generation by then, who knows? But it'll most likely come to PlayStation, Xbox as well. Nintendo, most likely not. It, it it just it just is what it is. I'm sorry, most likely won't. But I'm very excited for it. Looking forward to seeing more of that when we do. The next big significant one, an announcement that I don't think anyone really would have expected, is that Blizzard has announced an unannounced <laughs> survival game. I say that because that's exactly how they said it. It's, we are showing off. We're announcing our unannounced survival game. It's really weird. Um, but it's a brand new IP. Brand new IP. Uh, and we only get like one piece of art. And it looks like modern day dress people stepping into like a fantastical different world or something like that. And like the forest and everything. The The art seems interesting. I like the, um, the art that we got, the vibe that it gives me. I'm not a survival game person though. So I probably won't play it. Or won't be interested in it. It is coming to PC and console. They said console, uh, or they they might said consoles, but they didn't say which ones. So I mean, they're kind of leaving that wiggle room of hey, maybe it'll come to other platforms. Who knows? But most likely, it's just Xbox only. We can't say right now. Um, But uh, this is this is interesting. We haven't had a new IP from Blizzard since um, Overwatch in 2016, and before that, it was it was quite a bit before we even had a new IP from them again as well. So. It's interesting that we're getting another new IP from them. And of course, this one is also going to be quite a while away. It's going to be some time before we see what this game is and how it actually plays at all. But it's also a new genre for Blizzard. You know, we've had RTSs with Starcraft and Warcraft. We have MMOs with World of Warcraft. We've had the dungeon crawling loot game with um, Diablo, the first person shooter, the team, the competitive team based first person shooter with um, Overwatch. And now a survival game, a whole new genre. So I'm really interested to see Blizzard's take on a survival game. See how they uh, push the genre, advance the genre, make it more exciting for play for players who maybe don't really like survival games. Uh, see them innovate in the space. I really, just really curious to see what they do with this new IP because it's, we, you know, we don't really get many of those from them. So it's exciting. It's cool. Big news. So looking forward to that and. The most, I guess you could say, most significant or at least significant, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, game announcement is that Rockstar has officially confirmed, officially said it themselves, that the next Grand Theft Auto is in active development. They did not say GTA 6, but they said that the next Grand Theft Auto is in active development. At long last, we can finally say GTA 6. So we can say, I mean, it's all, but we... I would be very surprised if it is not GTA 6. And this is something that people have said. People have said, like, hey, we weren't sure if they were ever going to do another GTA. Like, given how much money GTA Online makes, they could have just done, you know, more GTA Online and kind of left it at that. Uh, But, I mean, again, GTA just makes too much money for them to not do a brand new full entry into the series. So, GTA 6 is on the way. Who knows when we see it? Who knows... um, when we get more information on it rockstar has said that you know they hope to talk about it uh, more soon what does soon mean in rockstar returns who knows honestly it could be later this year it could be early next year in in a time where you know the pandemic is ravaging things anything is possible but uh i'm very excited by this i wonder where it's going to take us i would love to go to um, vice city i would love to go back to liberty city or somewhere brand new entirely for the gta um, universe that'd be really cool as well and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But yet, yeah, it's it's exciting that a new GTA is coming. It is hard for me to be, to get excited past that, knowing nothing about it. So I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. Will my hype will get higher once we actually see it and know more about it? That's where I am. But it's big deal. It's a huge deal after this. They, they tweeted this out, and then they got all these likes and retweets on it. take two stock shot up, like, right after the announcement. So that's what I said. It's, probably, it's arguably the biggest announcement. <laughs> I mean, it's arguably the biggest announcement because it's GTA, but at the same time, you already know what's happening, so it could be, like, the least significant to you. Depends on how you want to look at it. But those are the big announcements uh, from the past few weeks in terms of game announcements. With all that being said, though, and out of the way, we're going to get into what this episode is really going to be about what this episode is titled what this episode's thumbnail is that being that sony has acquired bungie for 3.6 billion dollars no one saw this coming no one expected this just randomly monday uh january 31st yeah everyone's just you know living their days going about their days and then we see tweets from people on in the industry saying got some Sony news coming in a moment. Got some big Sony news coming. Hey, Sony just paused their stock on the stock, um, on the stock exchange. And everyone's like, wait, what? Huh? What's happening? Who are they buying? What's going on? And then minutes later, Sony acquired Bungie for $3.6 billion. And everyone was just shocked and wowed. Because again, no one expected this at all, and I myself certainly did not either. Uh, so before I get more of my thoughts on it, I'm going to read some things. I'm going to read a bit from Bungie's blog announcing this acquisition um, by Pete Parsons. And then after that, I'll detail what uh, Bungie said about like their vision for Destiny 2, give a bit of words from Jim Ryan on this, and then I'll kind of give some of my thoughts on this acquisition. So first up, the Bungie blog post by Pete Parsons. He says here, quote, and I'm going to bounce around in this. I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'm going to read a bit from the beginning, then I'll jump down to the end and read a bit there. So he's Pete Parsons. He says, quote, we believe games have limitless potential and that to do anything worthwhile in entertainment, we must bet big on our vision, on our studio, and on our incredible team of trusted creators who build unforgettable worlds that truly matter to people. And SIE, Sony Interactive Entertainment, we have found a partner who unconditionally supports us in all we are and who wants to accelerate our vision to create generation-spanning entertainment, all while preserving the creative independence that beats in Bungie's heart. Like us, SIE believes that game worlds are only the beginning of what our IPs can become. Together, we share a dream of creating and fostering iconic franchises that unite friends around the world, families across generations, and fans across multiple platforms and entertainment mediums. Today, Bungie begins our journey to become a global multimedia entertainment company. Going to jump down a bit here to their creative freedom section. With SIE, the potential for our universes is unlimited. Our future games will take bold steps into unexplored spaces for Bungie, continue to push the boundaries of what is possible, and will always be built on a foundation of creating meaningful, lifelong friendships and memories. We remain in charge of our destiny. We will continue to independently publish and creatively develop our games. We will continue to drive one unified Bungie community. Our games will continue to be where our community is, wherever they choose to play. With SIE support, the most immediate change you will see is an acceleration in hiring talent across the entire studio to support our ambitious vision. End quote. I'm going to stop right there. For the Bungie um, post where they where they announced this and all, I'm gonna jump on over now to their blog post on their vision for the future of Destiny 2. And this here was written by uh, Joe Blackburn. It's well, it's really an FAQ essentially um, from Joe Blackburn and Justin Truman over at Destiny's 2 Devs team. So they have a picture here saying Destiny 2: Our shared vision, one community, multi-platform. Destiny 2 will stay on all current platforms and expand to new platforms. Bungie maintains full creative control and publishing independence of the Destiny universe. And every player should have an amazing Destiny experience no matter where you choose to play. So they have confirmed Destiny 2 will remain multi-platform. They also confirmed that cross-play will persist So if you're on PlayStation, you can still play with people on Xbox or on Stadia or on PC. That is not changing. They also did confirm that um, in reading here, they say uh, in Witch Queen, there is not going to be any platform exclusive stuff. So you don't have to worry about that like there was in the past, which is very good. They also confirmed that plans for Destiny's story up through The Last Shape, which is set to release in 2024, those plans have not changed. Those, the plans haven't changed at all. It is still staying exactly as it is, which is very good. I know it's really important to Destiny fans. Um, so don't got to worry about any of that stuff. And last but not least in the FAQ, I'm going to read the question verbatim. De- Bungie has future games in development. Will they now become PlayStation exclusives? Their answer, No. We want the worlds we are creating to extend to anywhere people play games. We will continue to be self-published, creatively independent, and we will continue to drive one unified Bungie community. So Bungie has confirmed that their future games will not become PlayStation exclusive just because they have been acquired by Bungie, which is very important. I'm going to jump over to the PlayStation blog post announcing this acquisition by Jim Ryan. Uh, where he kind of, you know, you know says a bunch of stuff saying, hey, yeah, congratulations, we're happy to have it and everything. But he also reiterates the point, saying, quote, Bungie will remain an independent and multi-platform studio and publisher. And then he also goes on to um, talk about kind of what their, what Bungie can bring to PlayStation, saying Bungie's world-class expertise in multi-platform development and live game services will help us deliver on our vision of expanding PlayStation to hundreds of millions of gamers, end quote. Now going over to gamesindustry.biz, an article by Britton Sinclair, where he was writing about the announcement of the the acquisition. Uh, They say in there, quote, Bungie will be an independent subsidiary of SIE run by a board of directors consisting of current CEO and chairman Pete Parsons. And the rest of the studio's current management team. End quote. Now, there's also kind of information come out that this deal was in the works for a couple of months, for quite a while. This is not like a knee jerk reaction. Like, oh, they bought Activision Blizzard. We're buying. We're buying Bungie. Two days later, we're buying Bungie. Let's go get, get it. In, get it in the books. That didn't happen. It has been in the works for months and months and months. And um, it's also come out that Sony is paying 1.2 billion dollars for Bungie employees to stay at the company uh, because they want that talent. They want the people that are at Bungie to stay there. Bungie, you don't want the people at Bungie to leave and then Bungie isn't you know as good as what they were when you bought them. You want them to stay at the company. So they're paying a bunch of money for the employees there to stay. That's all the top level information. My real quick thoughts on all of this is, wow, I never would have expected this. Again, I keep saying that. Never would have expected this uh, for, I got to pull it back up again, the amount they pay for, uh, $3.6 billion. $3.6 billion. I never would have thought Bungie would be worth that much. And I've seen some people say that they bought them for more than they actually are worth. But uh, still, that's, that's a lot of money. That's still a lot of money. That is nearly half, of the price that Microsoft paid for Bethesda, so guys, kind of like as a point of reference right there. So it's kind of willing. Sony's not afraid to kind of reach into their pockets to, you know, pay the price they got to pay to get so, to get a really good developer over here. And that's the thing. This is a developer, not a publisher. Not this isn't a publisher like Bethesda or or Activision. This is just one developer. Three point six billion dollars, which is. Wild to say, wild to think about. Now, am I happy about this? I'm still not happy about the consolidation and stuff that's been happening in the industry. I'm still not happy about that. What I think makes this acquisition so much more easier to swallow and not that bad in in comparison to other ones is that importantly, bungie is staying independent and multi-platform they're owned by playstation now but they're still able to put their games out wherever they want to sony is not saying your games are going to be on playstation only so destiny players yeah like destiny players only on playstation now Or destiny could stay multi-platform but your future games are only on playstation they're not saying that they're saying no like their future games will be multi-platform that bungie has the authority to put their games where they want to if they want to make their games um exclusive to playstation they can if they want to put their games on pc and um, xbox and switch and stadia what have you by all means go ahead they are more than welcome to they are just now part of playstation and i like that because But Destiny is a huge thing. And of course, Destiny, I don't think anyone would have expected Destiny to just be, all right, we're cutting off all these players. Uh, You're stuck on PlayStation now. I don't think anyone would have expected that with given the type of game Destiny is. But I'm sure people would have worried like, hey, so what about their future games? Are their future games going to be exclusive? And the fact that they're not, that Sony is saying, no, they, they can still put them out where they want to. They're just joining our family. That puts be at ease and i know that puts a lot of other people at ease and i like that they're being really upfront and blunt and clear about this right now as opposed to the kind of wishy washy talking around it stuff that microsoft does well has done with active with um blizzard activision and um bethesda how they were like yeah well you know like we're not doing this to take away from people we'll have like but like games that have legacy will be on those platforms and will support them. But, you know, we want to give exclusive stuff to game pass. So some things will be exclusive, but other things won't. And we want call of duty to stay on PlayStation, you know? So it's like, we want that, but we're not going to say straight up. It will hundred percent stay on place. Like it, the wishy-washy that Microsoft does when they do these acquisitions, it leads to a lot of confusion and worry and unease and anxiety I appreciate that Sony and Bungie are being straight up, no, we're not going to talk around this. This is the case. This is exactly what's happening. That way everyone knows they're staying multi-platform. No worries. You all are good. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, so then it really brings up the question, though, if these games are going to be multi-platform, if Bungie is still going to be able to put the games out wherever they want to, why spend $3.6 billion to acquire Bungie? Why acquire Bungie at all? What what do you get out of this? What do you get out of this? What does Bungie get out of this? What is the point of it? So, of course, we got some interviews. We got some interviews over here. Specifically, gamesindustry.biz interview with Jim Ryan that happened. And I believe the interview was done. I'm going to pull it up right now. I, I know the person's name. Here we go. Christopher Dring. Um, who is the head of Games B2B, I believe he's the head of um, Games Industry.biz over there, did an interview with James Ryan. I said James Ryan, Jim Ryan, my mistake. Um, just talking about this deal, the why it happened, what the deal is all about, what, is, what are the benefits of this deal, what do you gain from it, You know, why, why are we doing this? And I've kind of separated this into four points, the four, I guess, real main points that we can take away from this. And the first of which is that this deal was done to help expand PlayStation's community and expand PlayStation's reach off of the console as well. So I'm going to read a quote here from the, uh, from the article here, Jim Ryan quote, where he says, quote, I've been on record talking about increasing the size of the PlayStation community and expanding beyond our historic console heartland. This can take many forms. And definitely one of the main ones is the ability for the wonderful games that we've been making over the past 25 years to be enjoyed in different places and played in different ways. We are starting to go multi-platform. You've seen that. We have an aggressive roadmap with live services and the opportunity to work with and particularly learn from the brilliant and talented people from Bungie. That is going to considerably accelerate the journey we find ourselves on, end quote. Then we have another quote here from him saying, quote, philosophically, This isn't about pulling things into the PlayStation world. This is about building huge and wonderful new worlds together," end quote. So right, I'm gonna pause it right there for a second. We've kind of seen PlayStation starting to do this a bit in recent years, specifically when it comes to um, PC. In the past, I believe it's been two years really, as I think the Death Stranding first went to PC in 2020 i think that was the first one and then after that we got horizon and um and uh god god was just this game's name Death, uh, not uh, days gone days gone and now we got uh now we have what should might call it god of war on pc now we have uncharted legacy of thieves um collection that one um come to pc as well at some point in the near future so, and then there's also like the rumors about a number of other games, such as Returnal and so on and so forth, uh, coming to PC in the near future. So we've seen this; they're starting to step off of just console and starting to realize, hey, we can reach other people. We can we can reach other people on other places, and we can get them into the PlayStation ecosystem. We can like our console is still our bread and butter. But the PC space is a space we haven't really tapped into yet, and there are a number of people there who might be PC only gamers who would love to play our games, and they could play our games the best way possible on PC, let's start to reach them. And there are some people who are PC and console who would happily double dip on our game to play it in the best way possible on their PC. So let's offer them the opportunity to do that as well. Let's expand our community. Let's expand PlayStation to not just the console. Let's start to reach out to more people to widen our reach and be like, hey, our games aren't day and date our PC right now, but you're seeing the type of games that you don't get on PC. You're seeing the type of games you miss out on if you don't have PlayStation. Why don't you play this one? Why don't you play this? Why don't you play this? And you you like these, right? Well, if you why don't you come on over? Why don't you get a PS5? So you can play these games as soon as they come out. Why don't, that way you can play the sequel to Horizon Forbidden um, um Zero Dawn. You could play God of War Ragnarok as soon as it comes out on day one. You can only imagine that when and if they put Spider-Man on uh, PC. It's gonna sell gangbusters. The Spider Man and Miles Morales. is gonna sell gangbusters, and then it's gonna be like, hey, you, you ready for Spider Man Two? Get that PS Five so you can be right there with us on the um day and date for Spider Man Two. It's I I can only I would not be surprised if eventually Sony's does say, you know what, we're gonna start releasing our games day and date on PC. I don't think it's gonna be next year, but I imagine that it'll be. Some, at some point, this generation, I can see them saying, we're going to start doing day and date on PC because they see the that the return on investment for it is just worth it. And again, the reach that they get in terms of spending the community is just worth putting in the effort and deciding to do it day and date. So we, we've already started to see them expand off, expand off the console. And when you have destiny as well with destiny is its own huge community and the community is huge on playstation it's big on pc you it's just really just expanding it and expanding it into not just off console but off into a different field that playstation typically doesn't have any first party games in playstation really doesn't do live service games you know we they're typically known for you know third-person narrative-based games, um, action-adventure story-focused games. They're not really known for these live-service games that tell these expansive stories and go on and on for years and years and years and years. So to expand into that genre, to expand into that playing field, into that ecosystem with Destiny, the game that kind of, I guess you could say, was the, is the grandfather, is the granddaddy of that genre, the one who kind of pioneered it pioneered it and has taken all the bumps and bruises and all the punches, trying to work itself out and you know, find out all the good things to do and the things you shouldn't do. And expanding your game and your community as you try, you know, make your life service game thrive. Having them there, you know, having that game there, it it's a great way to expand. It's a it's gonna get, you know, it's gonna get you uh it's going to get you more invested into that live service space. And I think that's a that's an area that Sony and PlayStation definitely want to start getting into and starting to make games in that world uh, because the industry is starting to get more live service That We're starting to see more live service games and uh, single-player games like the ones that Sony makes, they are very expensive to make. And you're probably going to want to have games that can give you a constant investment, constant, um, constant money coming in from them, like live service games do. To kind of, I don't know if I say recoup the cost of their certain their single player games that they're known for, but kind of you know help offset those costs, uh, and also just be big things to look forward to in between these tentpole releases that Sony is known for. So it, th- these are the things that I'm sure that they all thought about when it came to hey let's bring in Bungie, who has all this knowledge who has all experience and is again they have their giant community let's bring them in and we can get those things even more closely associated with playstation now speaking of live service and everything um sony's jim ryan he kind of spoke about uh the a new future for so, for playstation's ips and all and he spoke about it in an interesting way that kind of then segues into a live service quote too uh, so I'll kind of, I'll read the first one here, where he's talking about just a new future of sorts of PlayStation IP, where he says, quote, the way people play games has changed a lot over the last few years. We have created some wonderful properties over the course of the last 25 years with characters that people love and resonate the world over. Offering the opportunity to enjoy these experiences in a completely different way is something that we are very excited about. I can't go into details today, but we have a really amazing roadmap to do that, end quote. Now, again, with this, he could be talking about just PC, could be talking about expanding them, like enjoying these games on different platform as a completely different way. He could be talking about enjoying these experiences in a different medium, such as film or TV. We've seen the Uncharted movie that they're working. Well, that's coming out very soon. They have a Twisted Metal series that's set to come out, I believe, next year 2023 uh so it's not a surprise there's also the last of us tv show that's that's in the works as well that's being made right now so perhaps that's what he could mean what he could also mean is experiencing these ips and stories and franchises in a live service way so we can have say we have the last of us let's make a last of us live service game maybe um uh, God of War, no, no, maybe not God of War, but hey, you never know. Maybe God of War, maybe we get a live service game set in God of War universe. Maybe, maybe that is kind of what he means in terms of enjoy these experiences in a completely different way, uh, and that leads into when he talks about Sony and live services game, live service games. Uh, he says here, "quote, I would back us to do live service games ourselves." But when you have the potential to have a partner like Bungie who has been there, done it all before, learned the lessons, and have got this wonderful, brilliant team who is there and has the potential to help us, we think we can take something that would have taken a certain number of years and significantly decrease the time it will take to get it right. And then, well, end quote, sorry. And then also kind of added on to this, during the latest earnings call, uh, Sony CFO Hiroki Totoki. Confirmed that PlayStation plans to release "quote more than ten live service games" end quote over the next four years. So when you have all this, when you take all this to account, you have all this in mind. It kind of makes sense why they would go after Bungie. Like he said, Bungie has been there. They've they were there at the start. They've they've pioneered this genre, this type of game, and they've made but they've made plenty of mistakes they've done so many things right as well and now destiny 2 is kind of in a i mean from the outside in it looks like destiny 2 is in a really great place uh for the fans for the the story the players the team it looks like everything's just in the right place like people are just very happy and excited with destiny 2 so it having bungie there to help give sony and their main development teams that knowledge that assistance that guidance on hey you're looking to step into the live service space these are the things we've done and things we saw. So- these are we've done and here's what we saw that worked here's what we saw that didn't work and you should if you want to let's see like you're working on this live service game okay maybe do this instead of that maybe you know don't maybe don't vault your stuff don't sunset things that's not that's going to make players unhappy let's see if you could find a way to keep stuff in the game um on you know never-endingly that way you don't have to remove stuff that players aren't using for new players when they come in they can still enjoy it they're not missing out on all these things like how destiny 2 they sunset the original campaign and forsaken because those gate those things they're like hey we got to do we need space somehow some way so People who are jumping into the game now who never played SD2 before, they're missing the Red War campaign that the game first started off of. So, things like that. So, I wrote down here hey, what are some of these more than 10 live service games that PlayStation could have in the works? Now, we know that Sony's London studio is working on an online PS5 exclusive that could potentially be a live service game. Twist and Metal is rumored to be in development, not officially confirmed, but rumored to be in development rumored to be a live service game as well so that could be the second one right there there is the last of us multiplayer game though that's rumored to be in development everyone believes it is last of us multiplayer i can i think it's very likely that's last of us multiplayer perhaps that is going to be a live service game and naughty dog is going to be getting some lessons and guidance from um Bungie and their team on hey how do we make this work how do we do this And the fourth idea had was perhaps um, Sucker Punch could spin off Ghost of Tsushima Legends into its own thing. And that could be a live service game. Because I know a lot of people really, really, really enjoyed Ghost of Tsushima Legends. So perhaps that gets spun off into its own thing. And that is the fourth live service game. Now, as for other franchises and stuff, I don't have anything off the top of my head, but these are just the first four that I could think of for the next uh, four years and these more than 10 live service games that we're going to be getting. Perhaps that's perhaps this what it is. Perhaps that's what we're going to be getting. And I, I think that, again, getting that knowledge from Bungie on PlayStation side of things is just going to be, it's going to be so great. It's going to be, it's going to be so worth it i I can't stress enough just we hear about all these live service games coming out today we hear about you know we have the division which has its ups and downs but i think the division does pretty well for itself um there are live service games like hyper like you mentioned before which comes out and just kind of sinks immediately um There are, man, like all these live service games that have come out that I'm just blinking on right now. But we've seen a a deluge, a whole lot of games come out in recent years that have wanted to be live service ones. And they kind of, they might come out, they do well, and then they just kind of taper off into non existence. Anthem being probably the most well known one where it came out and it was supposed to be the next big thing. And then it kind of just, died it died a slow death until they were supposed to try and reboot it and then it said no we're cutting the cord pulling the plug it's dead is what it is we're not continuing on with it and you don't want that to happen i know sony would not want that to happen with any of their games with any of their franchises so to be able to try and avoid that as best you can with Bungie helping you out Bungie being your 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 lead ship your guiding pillar your guiding light on this your north star in a sense on live service game development for any of your franchises or new franchises that you might want to do that's got to be invaluable to sony to have that um in your back pocket so I, i i think that it's it's good i i like that um i like that idea i like what it looks like sony's trying to do going forward like when you When you put these pieces together like this, it kind of makes sense. Um, And now I don't think that this means that Sony is going to be, you know, no more third person, no more like uh, story focused games that we're known for. Like those are still going to be coming for sure. But Sony is just trying to expand their games outside of this tiny niche. Because if they stay in this tiny niche, I don't want to say tiny niche, but if they stay in in this realm of what they're known for and don't start to expand out of it, they're going to be in a really tricky spot when you know, when sub, when services and subscriptions become more of the name of the game as they are starting to be, and Game Pass starts to become this even bigger juggernaut that it currently is. If, if Microsoft and Xbox acquires another giant publisher or developer that takes away games from Sony that they don't have in-house on their own, they're going to be in a tight spot. So Sony's starting to try and branch out into live service games and other genres and everything It's definitely something that they need to do and i think they're they're trying to do it i think now is the time to do it or you're going to be they're going to be too late and they don't want to be too late because then it'll be too they won't be able to just like to recover and make up any ground that they lose in that time where they don't have these new genres or franchises to make up whatever they're losing out on so i think it all makes i think that all makes sense and last but not least jim ryan has said that more acquisitions are definitely coming from sony he says here quote we should absolutely expect more um we are by no means done with playstation we have a long way to go i will personally be spending a lot of my time with pete and the team at bungie helping make sure that everything beds down right and that autonomy means autonomy but elsewhere in the organization, we have many more moves to make. End quote. So, of course, that begs the basic question of: All right, what are these acquisitions going to be? Are you going to be buying more developers? Are you going to be buying uh, more? Are you going to be buying a publisher of sorts? Who knows? I mean, people constantly, you know, ask the question of: Hey, maybe they'll buy Square Enix. Maybe they'll buy Capcom. Maybe they'll buy Konami. Maybe this company will buy this person and that person. What about Sega? And I don't want a publisher to be bought. I I will say that right now. I don't want it to happen. It's just a sad reality that it's very likely that more of these publishers are going to be bought out. And it just kind of is what it is. We just kind of have to suck it up and deal with it. And I hate that. I don't want that at all. Um, If they're out to buy a publisher, I'm sure the one that they would Likely look at would be Square Enix because Final Fantasy is there, and Final Fantasy is something that I know Sony would not want to lose. Sony would hate to lose Final Fantasy entirely. So not just Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, uh the Tomb Raider games, uh, Dragon Quest games. Square Enix is just global in terms of the games that they put out. They're all just a very global appeal, but specifically Final Fantasy on its own, you don't want to lose that. So I'm sure that Square Enix is whether they're probably looking at if Square Enix is even thinking of selling or willing to sell at all. Um, so there's that. And then there's also Capcom as another likely one that they're probably considering in terms of publishers. Because again, you know, uh, Street Fighter V, I believe it was developed with assistance from PlayStation. It's PlayStation exclusive. So I believe it was developed with assistance from PlayStation. You have Evo, which has been bought by PlayStation, which has strong ties to the fighting game community and Capcom with Street Fighter. So I'm sure that they're even considering Capcom and getting those games. And if that happens, then they end up getting other games like Monster Hunter under their belt, which might play into a future story that we're going to talk about. It's the um, Xbox uh, Monster Hunter style game. So it, it's interesting in terms of publishers. As for developers, maybe they go out and buy Ember Lab. Uh, the developers behind Kana, Bridge of Spirits, who did that game was really great. It was a fantastic game. Maybe they look at them and say, Hey, we had a nice partnership with this. We're going, you we want to, you know, get an acquisition that we get more money and budget for your next game. Perhaps that's something that, that they're um that they're looking at. Who knows? Honestly, it's when it comes to developers, it's a bit of a tougher thing to think about. Um, and admittedly, I kind of I haven't done too much looking into. Different developers in the industry that Sony might want to buy and all like that. Um, These are just like ones off the top of my head, Um, but that's just kind of what I think. Who that's just who I think they could be looking at to buy. And now it's a matter of when do we hear about these other acquisitions and how much are they going to be like? How much are they going to cost? I think that whatever the next acquisition is, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we hear about it um closer to summertime you know like closer to e3 time give them like a nice summertime boost of sorts um maybe we hear about another one in the fall who knows when we hear about them but i wouldn't be surprised if maybe we hear about one in the summertime as like a hey here's our summertime boost for playstation before our playstation showcase e3 season summer game fest season whatever the case may be um maybe we hear about other acquisition then assuming that the next thing we next acquisition that we hear about is this year at all uh who knows who knows honestly uh I've been talking a whole lot about what Sony gains from this Bungie acquisition but haven't really spoken about what Bungie gains from this and one of those things is the fact, well hold on, before I get into that actually of course obviously Bungie gains more money They gained the backing of Sony and PlayStation to fund their dream for destiny and the future of it. I'm sure they've had grand dreams and goals of what they want to do with the game going forward. So now they know that they can do that because they have the backing of Sony. They're not independent on their own anymore. They now have Sony helping them out and Sony's money in their pockets. So they can, they can kind of start to dream bigger and Better and wider and brighter and so on and so forth, with their aspirations for destiny and what they want the future of it to be, especially past the last shape. I wonder, like, what that what's going to be going on in that, and what's going to be going on afterwards, uh, so they could do that. They could staff more people to help make these dreams a reality, which is again something else they would that they mentioned, you know, in the blog post. He said we're going to see an acceleration in staffing over here now. It's going to be the immediate thing you see, so that is also going to help them. But the other way, the other big thing that helps out Bungie here by being acquired by Sony is the fact that Bungie for the longest time has wanted to expand um, Destiny into being this multimedia thing. They have wanted to do, you know, possibly like um, Destiny films or TV shows and all like that. Sony is expanding their IPs into film and TV, The Last of Us, Uncharted. So like it's just a match made in heaven. It just makes sense. You don't have to worry about like doing any licensing deals with the company for them to make a movie or anything with your IP. No, like it's done in-house. You are making in the movie or the show with the company that owns you. And that company that owns you makes movies and TV shows. It just works. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in a year or two, we hear that a Destiny movie or a Destiny TV show is in the works. And, you know, Bungie is like, right there working hand in hand with the directors and so on and so forth to make sure that it is up to snuff with what they want for a destiny movie or tv show hopefully it doesn't have all the ups and downs that destiny's life cycle has had in terms of uh reception and praise and all like that but uh i think i i would love to see a destiny movie or tv show i think about the live action um trailers that we got for the original destiny and they were so cool they were so good I would love to see like stuff like that just on a grander, you know, grander movie scale and or TV show scale. I mean, we see what The Mandalorian does on uh, for TV and everything, and other Disney Plus shows like that with TV budget and all. I would love to see. Uh, I mean it's also Game of Thrones too. I've said those, but just also those Game of Thrones, like with TV budget. You see that show. So I would love to see what Bungie can do uh, with a you know a nice big budget. Be able to make a nice big budget film or TV with Destiny or any of the future IPs that they're making. We don't know where their new IPs are, so hey, maybe they want to do something like that with those. It's the sky is honestly the limit for them now, and it just it just makes a lot of sense. I would love to see what these companies do together. So I think as a nice way to put a bow right, nice way to wrap up this conversation of this Sony Bungie acquisition is that. I'm still not all, I'm really not for all the consolidation going on in the industry, but it's increasingly, increasingly becoming more of just a sad reality that we need to accept. And I don't want to accept it just yet. I really don't want to. Um, but it's becoming more and more common. It kind of is becoming a thing of is what it is. Any day now, you never know who's going to be bought. Sony buying Bungie. It is crazy to think about, especially considering Bungie used to be owned by Microsoft and made Halo for them, and they left and went off on their own and partnered with Activision as a publishing deal for um, for Destiny, and then left them, and now they're under Sony, owned by Sony. That whole saga, it's crazy to think about, um, because Bungie, you know, they they crave their independence and being able to make the games they want to make the way they want to make them and put them where they want to put them. So to have them back under someone's umbrella, it It's wild to think about, Uh, but I'm happy that Bungie will remain multi-platform, that their games will remain multi-platform, that they can put their games where they want to, even though they are now owned by Sony. That is fantastic. I think this definitely signals a stronger push into live service from Sony going forward. I think we're definitely going to be seeing uh, more live service spinoffs from their mainline IPs and just new live service IPs from Sony going forward. And they're going to be taking advantage of Bungie's knowledge and um, guidance to help make sure these games are the best that they can be when they come out and have a good life cycle as they um, go on and on and on. And uh, Bungie, you guys, Bungie gets some good stuff out of this too, in terms of money, people, and bigger dreams and all and as for acquisitions i i honestly don't know i don't want more i don't want more um but i mean as i've said it before if they had to buy someone i would want it to be square enix i guess just because i'm the most invested in Square enix myself uh if they had to buy someone i would hope it. W- i would want it to be them but i don't want them to buy anybody period i just don't so that's that that's my conversation that's my thoughts on the uh sony bungie acquisition when Karen is back, we will get his uh, thoughts on it as well when he returns to the podcast. Hopefully, that'll be next week. All right, now, we got two more stories here. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about Stadia. Google Stadia, the, you know, the the renowned, the amazing, amazing, super successful Google Stadia streaming service that everybody loved and was the place to play your games. Oh, wait, I just forgot. Sorry, it wasn't. It was none of those things, except for Cyberpunk. It was only the place to play Cyberpunk when it first came out if you weren't playing on PC because it actually ran and worked well on Stadia, surprisingly. I say all that in jest. Of course, I'm being sarcastic here. But Stadia, as as some of you might know or remember, Last year, Google said, Yeah, we're shutting our studios, our development studios down. We're not doing in house development anymore on Gustadia. It's all but dead. Uh, service will still be here. You can still get your games on it, but we're not doing any more in house development on it. According to Business Insider, uh, and the info was kind of was gathered um, in an IGN article by Taylor Lyles. That's where I got the info from because Business Insider requires a subscription. So I'm, I'm not about to substitute Business Insider just to read this information. But according to them, uh, Stadia, uh, Google's plan to rebrand Stadia as a service called Google Stream, and they plan to partner with other companies who want to use the Stadia technology for their own services. And some of the companies that they've apparently been talking to are Capcom, Peloton, and Bungie. Now, Bungie also reportedly wanted to start their own streaming service, and they were in talks with Google before the Sony acquisition, they were going to use Stadia technology as the backbone behind it. Now, I don't have too much to say about this, um, except I remember when Google announced that they were shutting down the development studios. They had kind of said that, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna work with um, we're gonna work with other companies, and developers, you know, to let them kind of use our technology." And so they kind of, this this report here is not necessarily new information. They kind of already said as much last year, but it's interesting now that they are trying, that they're thinking of rebranding the name entirely, and also specifically the companies that they were looking to. They weren't even strictly talking about gaming companies; they're looking at Peloton as well. So, it's definitely very interesting. And like I said last year when we talked about this, uh, I I think that like this is kind of what they should have done from the start. They should have just let it be, hey, we have our Stadia streaming service and just partner with other companies to use it. And as they're doing that, get not, gain knowledge from these companies on how, how their streaming services are working, how game development works for them and all. And then maybe do Google Stadia, like your own streaming thing with your own in-house development studios with the learnings you learned from one of the other companies. Maybe that could have worked out better for Google Stadia in the long run But at the same time, maybe it wouldn't have if they used the exact same strategy that they did before. Um, It's definitely interesting, though, that Google is planning to rebrand Stadia like this. Who knows when the rebrand will happen? But I mean, at this point, I think this is definitely just the the best thing for them to do. I never used Stadia, but I remember um, people who did use it saying that the tech worked well, that it worked pretty good. Uh, The quality was pretty great and all like that. It's just that the the business model behind Stadia was flawed from the start, so people just didn't want to use it, and like it didn't even have a search bar for like the longest time. So it it was it was a lot of flaws with it, but the technology behind it worked really well. So uh, it it's good to try to you know keep the technology like alive and you know with other companies. That way, other companies like other companies can have a solid stable reliable streaming service behind them uh or at least but as like the backbone of their service but uh yeah it's a sad day for stadia i mean it's it uh, yeah it, it's just a sad day for stadia <laughs> i was trying to think of something clever and funny and witty to say i couldn't think of the top of my head it's just it's just another nail in that coffin for stadia like the, all the nails have been put down into into stadia already and it has been it was Buried into the um, into the ground, and now this is just starting to toss the dirt back on the bear, on the uh, on the uh, on the graves. So, uh, let's start tossing the dirt on it. We it's already dead. Let's get, start putting it into the grave, get it on in there, and just move on into the future. Move on past it. Now, the last thing we're going to talk about today. This is the report of Xbox's exclusive Monster Hunter inspired game. Now this news first came from Jeff Grubb's show, Grubb Snags over at Giant Bomb, but you need a subscription to watch it. So uh, of course, a lot of people didn't watch or anything, but Jess Corden from Windows Central, he backed up this report um, with his own news, his, and his own sources. According to him and his sources, uh, this Monster Hunter inspired game, it's codenamed Project Suerte. It is being developed by Certain Affinity, who up until now has largely been a support studio for a number of games, including multiple entries in the Halo and Call of Duty franchises. Now, according to Jez, this game has been in development since 2020 and is currently planned to be revealed in 2023 and released in 2024. That's kind of all the news we know about it. He was told, again, that it's Monster Hunter inspired. So he takes that to mean that you'll be fighting against like giant monsters. And we, again, we don't know much more about it past that but uh, this would be an this would be an interesting direction uh, an interesting game for microsoft to have they you know they don't really they don't have any games like this i guess the closest they were getting to it was scalebound but that got canceled unfortunately so they don't have a game like this and like i kind of mentioned before if sony is looking at capcom to acquire them and microsoft kind of got wind of this they wouldn't have monster hunter anymore so they would probably want to have their own Monster Hunter-inspired games. Again, Monster Hunter World was huge. It was a huge deal. The Monster Hunter 5 has also been very successful as well. So Xbox, probably, I'm sure they see that. They would like to have a game that's like that on their platform for Game Pass, especially. You put that on Game Pass, anyone can play it, try it out for free. They don't like it, they don't like it. There's no monetary investment behind it. Uh, so I, I'm sure this is very true. I'm sure this is really... Um, something that they're working on and i would be interested in seeing this from come out of xbox because again there xbox there with game pass they're starting to have a they started they're trying to have more of a variety of games and from their in-house development studios whether it be western rpgs from obsidian and bethesda whether it be your first person shooters from halo or your third person shooters from uh, gears your racing games with forza uh your other rpgs uh with fable you got your dishonored your your immersive sims with arcane like the your horror games with evil within like the list kind of goes on and on and on they're trying to expand and have multiple different genres and multiple styles of games in the development studios to have on game pass to have this giant variety of games for you to play so having a monster hunter inspired game as well it just fits the bill and it makes a lot of sense uh, so you know we got to see we got, well, of course we'll have to wait until possibly next year to see what this game looks like, see what it is, see what it's all about. Uh, But the idea is interesting. The idea is exciting. And I'm definitely into it. I want to know more about it. It seems like this would also be like the first big title that Certain Affinity is working on on their own. Since again, they've largely been a support studio for a number of other different games. So hopefully it turns out well. Hopefully Certain Affinity um, can crank out a good game. And yeah, that's kind of really all I have to say about it. I'm I'm looking forward to this, looking forward to seeing what this game turns out to be. Okay, so this now is going to be the part of the show where I talk about what I've been playing this week. Uh, played, the, I'll, I'll say three things this week. I played a bit of Horizon Zero Dawn, I only played the first like two, three, four hours or so. I think it's like more like three hours or so. Um, I literally just played up to past approving to the point where it's like, all right, you are now a seeker, go off main quest. That's the thing, that's the game. I played up to that point. I'm not going to play any more. I only play that much just because I wanted to refresh myself with the world of the game and how the game played and certain aspects of it. Um, And in like in anticipation of um, Forbidden Wilds, not Forbidden Wilds, Forbidden West coming up this week, uh, just because I haven't played Horizon since I first got it in 2018 and I forgot a whole lot about the game. I remember I liked it, but I forgot a whole lot about it. And since I'm reviewing Forbidden West, I kind of wanted to just have some of this in mind as like a comparison point as to like, oh, these things are improved. This is better. This is like that, so on and so forth, so forth. So just Zero Dawn. I'm not going to do more of it. Um, I played Bayonetta 2 this past week as well. My first time playing it. Um, actually finished the whole game in one day. I'm not really much of a character action game person. I know with those, A lot the the story, and the one they're not really meant for this one play. They're meant for you to play them over and over and over again to get better and do rack up crazier combos and higher skill chains and so on and so forth. I don't really care for them much like that. I'm just like, mindless action, let me play it, knock it out, stupid story, just have fun kicking people around, beating people up, and not call it a day. That's my mentality on that character action games like that. So that's what I do with the first Bayonetta when I first played that like two years ago. So I was like, you know what? i'm in between games right now like seafood was coming out really soon at the time it's out today early access as of right now um early access is bugged like it's not available to download yet for some reason so i'll play that when i get to it whatever is available for early access to download um but forbidden west is coming up soon i didn't want to start another big game i was like you know what? let me do something real quick so a game that could knock out super easily Bandana it to fit the bill and i enjoyed it the story is still utter nonsense and stupid and ridiculous and over the top. And I didn't follow, I couldn't follow it at all because it's just really just, it's it's a story. It's bizarre. It's wild and over the top. Like I said, it does, it's not meant to be something you take seriously. But it was a lot of fun. It's a cool game to play. Bayonetta is still a cool character. I still really like her. And now I'm set up for Bayonetta 3. Will I play Bayonetta 3 day one? Probably not. I'll probably wait for it like, price drop although most likely that will never happen uh so i'll play it at some point in time but i'm i like this game i like bandit 2 it was fun the other game i played was far cry 6 i was on a mission (laughs) to finish that game before horizon came out because i needed to free up 85 gigs on my ps5 and i did it i finished far cry 6 i kind of really mainlined the main story i didn't do too much side stuff like i did side quests along the way but I mainly focus on the main story. Um, Overall, I enjoyed it. I think I liked it. I think I could say I liked it less than Far Cry 5. Uh, These being the only two Far Cry games I've played. Like some aspects of the game I liked more. Like the story I liked, well, the story I liked more up until the end. Um, And from here on in, I'm going to talk spoilers about Far Cry 6. This is the last game I've played this week. After this I was going to close out the episode, so if you have not played Far Cry Six and/or if you are playing it and if you don't want spoilers, by all means, feel free to bounce out the episode at this point in time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, but if you don't mind spoilers, stick around because this is what I'm going to talk about. Spoilers for Far Cry Six at this point. Um, so you get to the end of the story and like you, the final mission is like, yeah, we got to go kill Castillo. We got to do this. All right, cool. We're going to go fight him. We're going to go. We're going to stop him. And then you get to him. And it's him, and we find out he's sick at this point in the game. We already know he's sick. It's him, you, him, and um, his son, like Diego. Diego's there, and Diego's like, "No, don't kill him. You're not gonna kill him." And Anton's like, "No, son. It, like whatever. Like the stuff's gonna go down. So it's gonna happen." And Danny's like, well, "Don't worry. We're gonna take care of him. He's gonna be fine. It's all good. We're like we're gonna make sure. I'm gonna make sure nothing happens to him because I care about Diego." And Anton's like. No, you won't. And straight up just kills Diego. Just kills Diego and then kills himself. And it's just like, what? What? Why? Why, is this, why are we doing this now? What? Huh? And then Diego dies. Anton dies. And then it's just like, all right, well, Yara, the, all the people I've been working with, you guys run Yara. I'm out. And it's just like, okay. It kind of just ends real anticlimactically in a way where I was just like, I was not really happy with the way the story ended. I was enjoying the story up to that point. I liked the characters that we came across. I like how Danny actually has a voice and has a personality. Unlike past um, Far Cry characters, Far Cry protagonists, she felt like an actual person. I really enjoyed her a whole lot. But um, that, yeah, the the way the story, it it kind of fell flat for me. I wasn't really vibing with it at all. Uh, When it came to gameplay, in some aspects of the gameplay is a bit better. Like I like the Supremos. The Supremos are cool. Um, although I only used the rocking one, I felt no need to switch it up or use any of the others. Um, the amigos, they're, they're fine, but again, the AI in the game sucks. So like they were far more helpful in Far Cry 5 as opposed to this game. So I would, if I had an amigo with me, they were just there. I didn't actually have them do anything because they were just useless to like actually direct to do anything at all. Um, Most enemy encounters, I was going in stealth. I would snipe from far away or I had my rifle and my silenced rifle with a high-powered, with armor-piercing ammo and just popping headshots at everybody I saw and just bing, bam, boom, take people out. It it wasn't too challenging a game, which I I guess you could chalk up to me the way I played it. Um, But I mean, at the end of the day, I still had fun playing the game though. Like, I don't think it's a great game. I think it's like, it's good. It's not great, Um, but I enjoyed playing it. Even if it was just like mindless fun at times, it was still fun. I still enjoyed it. Uh, The side quests, again, I really didn't, I didn't do too, too many side quests. I did some, um, I didn't do too many of the treasure things at a certain point. I was like, I don't care. I just want to do the story, mainly this game, knock it out so I can definitely have it done before Horizon came out. And for that experience, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was fine. It was a good game. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's the best Far Cry. I like the I like Yara, though. Yara was really beautiful. Yara was a really nice-looking place. Um, so, yeah, good game. I enjoyed it. And I think I'm going to leave it at that. That's going to wrap up what I've been playing um, this coming week. Next time we talk about the podcast, I will have played um, Sifu. Hopefully, I will have been, but I would have played Sifu. And I will have played a bit of Horizon Forbidden West, so I will definitely be talking about the two of those the next time we are on the podcast. Um, who knows? I don't know what Kieran has played. I know he he is starting Ghost of Tsushima right now, um, so he'll he'll probably be talking about that. Maybe he'll be talking about Horizon as well if he plays that some uh, Forbidden West. I mean, I, I know he's doing Zero Dawn now. Who knows? Who knows what he'll be talking about next week? But that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you all for watching and or listening to the show. Remember we have our site at Win games at the home for all of our content so go check out go check it uh, out that site. go check out all the stuff there. Uh, follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at Play to win game for updates on the show and other things that we might post over there subscribe to us over on youtube hit the notification bell that way you can know as soon as the videos go live you can see all of our stuff there subscribe to us over on podcast services as well give us a review leave us likes comments shares reviews all of that stuff it's all very much appreciated uh it helps us out a bunch so please do all of those things you can follow me over on twitter at tyler miller 2496 uh i tweet about a lot of stuff tweet about gaming mainly but i also tweet about anime that i'm watching at the um at any given time uh so tweet at me about any of those things though gaming anime movies tv shows i'm down to talk about the stuff uh and you can follow karen over on twitter at badlynet b-a-d-l-y-n-e-t it's all one word thank you all so very much for watching and or listening we will talk to you all next time have a great one